We want you to feel empowered by your choices as a parent, and we're here today to help you do just that. My name is Jennifer Walker, and we want to welcome you to the Moms on Call podcast. Along with my friend and fellow pediatric nurse, Laura Hunter, we have spent years developing strategies and solutions to help you navigate your parenting journey. Children reach developmental milestones at different times, and that's okay, because every kid has their own path. We'll discuss some ways to enlist the help of family, friends, and professionals when life calls for it. And we know time is precious. That's why we like to start every episode with some helpful advice you can maybe take with you into your day. Today, we'll be talking about why your way is just the right way. We don't have to do any of this the way that everybody else is doing it. Even at Moms on Call, you don't have to do it our way. There are lots of ways to parent, and we believe in parents. We believe in you. And so you're the parent, and you're entirely capable of making great decisions on behalf of your household. And the great thing is, the way that we do things when we have one kid may be completely different than the way that we do things when we have, like in my instance, five kids. It is okay for us to change our mind and do things differently according to the season of life that we're in. Yeah, you can change a ton of diapers and you can change your mind. (laughs) And as life changes, What we want to tell you today is that you do not have to explain to the entire digital universe every decision that you make. Just make it and own it. And know today here at Moms on Call, we believe in you. We believe that you are the best voice with the best information that you're gathering every day about your kids and your household. You're the best one to make these choices. You are smart and capable And you are the best decision maker for the kids and family that you have. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. So when you go to the pediatrician, you have a list of questions that you're asked. And Laura and I asked these questions for many years when we go through the developmental milestones. Oh my gosh, and, no, right? no, don't, don't. There's physical ones. There are different ways to know if they're getting the pincher grasp and are they smiling at you? And there's just a number of those questions that they use to kind of gauge on a larger scale. Can I just say that caused me so much anxiety. Oh, everybody. It does. Because if you don't check a box, even as we asked the questions, like we had to know, I had twins that had a goat language until they were two and a half years old. (laughs) Like, are they putting two words together? And I was like, um, is, does that count? Or that's no, like it has to be an actual word. So yeah, you know, I think that We recently wrote a blog about this. There's so many families out there 
that didn't check one of the boxes or several oh. of the boxes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is the hidden brilliance in the kids that didn't check the box? I love that. And and I had, I, I mean, my twins were two months early, Jennifer. So we definitely didn't always check the boxes at the appropriate times. And we need to know that information. That is great information to kind of know what are the things that we can do to help reach these milestones. And But the weight of that is really, really difficult. And today we're talking to the parent who maybe went down the road of having to enlist occupational therapy or physical therapy or speech therapy or all of those. You know, moms of and dads of twins have to do so much of this because oftentimes their vision and their hearing and takes a little bit of extra care in order to kind of get up to speed, so to speak. And then there's some that, you know, they don't, that they're going to have some challenges in one area or another, and nobody prepares you for that. No, so oftentimes, yeah, everybody's expecting that we're just going to make a hundred, so to speak. Right. And that's really not the goal of the questions. They're just to see where we can offer additional help and assistance if it's needed so that we can identify that. But oftentimes as a parent, it feels like a test that you are passing or failing. And that is not what developmental milestones are for. This isn't about whether or not you did all the right things or a prediction of the value that your child has in the future. So let's make that very clear. Right. It's just to let us know that, oh, wait, you know what? Maybe we do need to pull in some of these other experts to help us and to support us. These teams are incredible. And I had a sweet, sweet, sweet friend who whose son was autistic and really, really struggled there those first, you know, two or three years and actually really didn't pick up on anything until about two and a half to three years of age. And once those things were observed, then she could put the team together and that helped with those things. And do you know what? This young man, he is 15 now, and he is the sweetest and most incredible young man that you would ever ever meet. Because every life has value and we don't progress at predictable increments. Every kid has their own path and they will progress in their own timing. And that's really hard. If you're a perfectionist at heart, if you are the kind of person that's super organized and you are a checker of boxes, I just want to say your child and your experience that changed and may not have necessarily been as expected and you had to research and you had to make times for helpers to come in and enlist helpers and wonder and worry and put so much time and energy into something that was unexpected that the beauty of the efforts that you have made are so going to far outweigh what you feel was labeled as a deficit. 
It is not. It's Mm -hmm. actually by virtue of the power of the love of the family around them, it is going to be a strength because they have the opportunity to see what happens to be loved and cared for in this way. And the other siblings that are involved are also going to have a first front row seat to how you care for somebody else who requires a little extra help in one area or another. And I'm telling you, it builds extraordinary compassion. And when you look at these siblings who are siblings of a child who has autism, siblings of a child who is deaf, siblings of a child who is blind, you will see so many of these kids. It makes a family better kinder and more compassionate. It just does. And so you often worry, yeah, because the other kid's not getting all of the attention and, you know, we don't have as much time. They are learning and watching and seeing and growing in ways that you cannot measure. You know, I can remember being a teenager and working at a local spina bifida camp on the outskirts of New Orleans. And working at this camp, and we worked there for like two weeks on and two weeks off kind of thing throughout the summer. And I had one sweet, sweet little girl that I was in charge of. And I think that taught me probably more than anything else, Jennifer, just to come alongside her and have to to help with just some of those things that as a definitely as a teenager, I took for granted. But to be able to come alongside her and and really that's what we see in our own families is how when we pull together for those weakest members, we really come to find out that they weren't that weak in the first place, you know, that their strengths really start to shine. And this girl, she had, she could sing. Oh my gosh, it was just the most beautiful voice and It changed my life. It is because they make us stronger. When you are in charge of something so beautiful, it makes you stronger. And so, you know, those are some words that you can even use as people inquire because you also have to navigate your family and other people's inquiries and other people's expectations. And so, you know, those are some words you can use. I am in charge of something extraordinarily beautiful, and it is making me stronger. It's making my other kids stronger. That's how this works. You know, when you're talking about the time that you had with this beautiful young lady, you can really see there is a depth of love. I also want to talk about those first moments when you kind of find out, when you kind of suspect and maybe find out or get validated, verified that maybe, you know, we're going to need a little extra helper here or there. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve that expectation and pivot. Like give yourself permission for that. Doesn't mean you love this child any less. Doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you do get to grieve the expectation. It's something different. And so you grieve what you thought it was going to be, and then you embrace what it is. And can we talk about that a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to have all these catchphrases, and it's easy to try and be positive all the time and to always, you know, but the reality is every day is not going to be like that, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's work. 
It's hard. It is work. It is exhausting. Sometimes the amount, the sheer, I I have a client right now. In fact, just emailed me yesterday. Her son's three years old, has had literally 28 doctor's visits in the last four weeks for allergies and asthma and eczema. I mean, this kid, there's lots and lots of things going on with this kid. And mom's just exhausted because not only does she have this three-year-old, she has a 21-month-old and she's pregnant with a new baby. Yeah, but you could hear Mm. just in the the written words that she was writing that she's desperate Mm. for someone to come alongside her. Just the sheer number of appointments when you have a kid who Mm -hmm. may need a little extra help. And, oh, yeah, the routine's all great, except we have to be at 10 different doctor's appointments. And and I think just being able to have permission to talk about the hard part, too, um, is important. You know, Allison, which is my second oldest, she had tons of sinus issues and tear duct issues and, I mean, like over-the-top things. And I can remember just having to deal with those doctor's appointments, how overwhelming at times it felt. You know, I think that it's important that we talk about, yes, it is hard. And yes, it can be frustrating. And yes, it is exhausting. And yes, it's not all hunky-dory and everything is just great. Yeah. And that hard part, again, it's okay to admit that. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a human being that it's exhausting the number of, yes, helpers that you have to schedule. I mean, you think of having other kids on top of that and scheduling. Remember, we went to um, New York and we met that sweet family and um, their child was in so many therapies and needed several surgeries. And one of their biggest concerns was the older siblings are we giving them the best of who we are? And yeah, you just always feel like there's not enough of you to go around. And in the details of getting through this, of incorporating your helpers, we want to encourage you, like, please, if people say, can I help you? There is not going to be some kind of trophy at the end of 24 doctor appointments. So yes, please make me dinner. I want to normalize this phrase. Yes, make me dinner and drop it off. Yes, Yes. babysit my kids. Yes, I just need to take a bath. Could you come over for 30 minutes? So we want to normalize that. Okay, everybody needs to do that right now because, Jennifer, you know how much I love taking my baths. (laughs) I don't need to help you with your kids anymore to do it, but yes, yes. I mean, how awesome would it be that... You just have somebody who comes and says, oh, yeah, I got this. I often, I have a friend who did some foster parenting, and she did foster parenting for the families that were foster parents. So she was the one who would give them those breaks, and I think that's brilliant. We just need to do that for everybody because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard. And we have to look and search for those good things, but they're there. And that's really what we want to encourage families is to look for those good things because they are there. And ask for the help. Yeah, get it. (laughs) Even if you have dietary restrictions. So a lot of times you'll feel like, okay, there's so many dietary restrictions. I can't, you know, it's hard to even imagine 
but it's giving somebody a gift. So some of my family members have some really significant, a multitude of very significant allergies. So they're like, I'll just bring my own. I've just got my own. And I love nothing more than to have them over for dinner and to find something delicious that checks all the things that they need. Doesn't have any gluten. It doesn't have any eggs. It doesn't have any wheat. It doesn't have, I mean, just to find something that they love and to be able to prepare that for them, it thrills me. So give other people the opportunity to navigate that. And I know sometimes there's some trust issues with that. Like, I really mean no eggs. You can't just fudge it and do eggs anyway. <laughs> so, you know, these have to be people that you trust, but it's really hard to kind of find this exact kind of special diet that we need or that my child needs or one child needs and another child needs. But again, I trust your ability to sort it out. And oftentimes other people just absolutely love that. Like they're up for the challenge. So do that. Yeah. Let them do it for you. I love that. And I think that, you know, we do, we need to, to allow people to help us, especially when we find ourselves in that exhausting time of navigating a child that may have some special needs or maybe just a break. You just need some help. And in order to get the help, one of the hardest things is to admit that you need it. So admit that to yourself. As strong of a rock that you have to be in a gazillion different situations and navigating everything from the traffic to the schedule to the other kids' schedules to having, you know, meals on the table. Admit that. Accept the help when it's offered to you and know that it's okay sometimes when you do get to finally take that bath to sit in it and cry. Did you know that Bobby is the only U.S. infant formula company founded and led by moms? Their formula is made in Vermont and their ingredients are purposefully sourced from their milk at Organic Valley Farms to their water extracted DHA. And you can actually read and understand their labels. Their recipe is modeled after EU nutritional guidelines while also meeting all FDA requirements for infant formula. It is designed for brain development, to be gentle on tummies, and for healthy immunity in babies, all led by a team of pediatricians, lactation consultants, pediatric nutritionists, and food scientists. Bobby is also the only U.S. formula with 20 milligrams of DHA, which is the European standard in infant formula. Thank you, Bobby, for sponsoring this episode of the Moms on Call podcast. We are so excited to share that Bobby is offering 25% off your first box of Bobby. If you want to see if it's a good fit for you and your family, use code MOMSONCALL25 at highbobby.com. As a part of the Moms on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, and he introduced us to something that we love called the Nosebot. 
It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction. And it's got this really unique nose piece design, and it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs, and we have used it, and some of the Moms on Call team has used it, and we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www.drnosebest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. That's www.drnosebest.com with offer code Moms on Call. Now, you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your Moms on Call online class. And you can also watch the Moments episode where we interview the creator of the NoseBot. The amount of parenting information out there is overwhelming. Not only do you have books and videos and websites and podcasts, but you also have a lot of family and a lot of friends who think they are experts, and they may be. And sometimes you just need to ask somebody who knows. Jennifer and I have decades of pediatric nurse experience between the two of us, and we've helped a lot of kids and families, and we want to help you as well. Leave us a message at 888-234-7979. And we'll try to answer you during an upcoming podcast. Hi, my name is Jasmine. I'm from Jacksonville, Illinois. I have two twin girls. They're 13 weeks, but they were born at 35 weeks, so they have their adjusted age. I've been doing your mom's on-call schedule with typical days, and that's working well. Besides, they're at daycare now. She feeds them the 7, 10, 1, and 4 schedule. When they come home at 5.30, they act like they're hungry, even though they just ate. So usually I'll give in and feed them again, and then I feed them right before they go to bed. On a good note, they're sleeping 7 hours straight at night, but they're still waking up around 3 to 4 a.m. for that feeding. Any advice would be very helpful on how to get these girls on a good schedule with daycare. Thanks. You are navigating that daycare so beautifully. I love that they're following the feeding time so we can keep everything consistent. I know that makes your weekends much better. And yes, having twins of this age, Jasmine, is exhausting. So let us just tell you today, you are doing an amazing thing. And I know that you're dropping them off at daycare and trying to get a hundred other things done before you get them home. So we understand that sometimes when they get home and they seem like they're hungry, that we feel like we want to feed them. But that evening time is really the time they get out their energy. So kids this age are often fussy in the evening as they're just working out that energy. And we do have a couple of options in the Moms on Call book of what we call baby circuit training, where you can do five minutes in bouncy seats, five minutes in the swing, five minutes of tummy time, just to kind of keep them busy throughout that fussy time. It's not always a bad thing. It actually helps them sleep better when we do that feeding. So first of all, you're doing great. And secondly, I know Laura also has some additional advice. I love, love, love about that middle of the night. 
Real quick, I want to make sure, though, that we're doing the right amounts, that daycare has those bottle feeding ounces correct. So we do want to make sure if they're sucking those bottles dry, that we're increasing the amounts that we're giving them in each of those feedings. So if you'll double check that, and you can absolutely start baths at 6 and then go ahead and get that feeding going, that bedtime feeding going at 6.30, 6.45. So that will help as well. Now, as far as the middle of the night and getting rid of that middle of the night feeding, we just need a little more information as far as their weights. And typically when they're 35 weeks early with no severe medical issues, we're talking about a grace period of about two and a half weeks. So they should be just about ready to be free and to get through those night times without those feeds. Make sure you check out that preemie progression cheat sheet in the Knowledge Center on the website. My name is Sarah. I live in Laguna Beach, California. I have a 21-month-old um, who will be two in October, and I'm bringing my next baby home in October. And these two, given that we live in a tiny place, will be sharing a room. And Moms on Call worked so well for my first baby, and I'm so nervous about doing it with two room sharing. Can you please go over any tips for room sharing? When should I put the babies together? All of that. I am planning to use a mini crib next to my bed for the first little bit just to get them used to the crib and then hopefully roll it on over whenever you all say it's time. But I would love help to, you know, under two, just barely, shared room. Any tips? Thanks so much. Bye. Sarah, thank you so much for calling in. This is a great question. And overall, one of the things that we say that is going to be so helpful to you as these beautiful siblings grow up and accommodate each other is we never save the quiet one. So they're actually going to learn to share this space really beautifully. And hundreds of thousands of kids have done this all throughout history, and your kids are going to be just the same. They are going to be able to do this. So let's get down to some of the specifics. We love that crib. It's a great little mini crib. It's a safe environment for them to be able to be in your room. Put that mini crib as far away from the kitchen of their favorite restaurant as we can get it in your room. And the kitchen of the favorite restaurant is you. You smell like grilled onions in the middle of the night to them. Deliciousness. <laughs> Deliciousness, as Lord says, yes. So, you know, we'll get that mini crib a little further away, get your white noise going in the room and take all of the care to do the sleep environment that we recommend in your room. Now, one of the things that I really like, I like to get them over to their room typically right around the two week mark. But when we're doing a shared room situation like this, you will be much more successful if you do it right around that three-month mark. When we really get full nights of sleep, that's when we are more likely to stay out of the way and let the kids really enjoy figuring out how to accommodate each other. Um, as far as the toddler is concerned, we give them really clear instructions when we're ready to make that transition. Now your little brother or sister is going to be in the room with you. This is a wonderful thing. And if the baby makes noise at night, it's okay. You can go right back to sleep. And we want to keep that simple and consistent so that they have a simple way. They just want to know what's happening and what they're supposed to do about it. And we have reinforced that throughout the day and help them to know what they're capable of doing 
and how they're capable of accommodating each other. It always amazes me at how well they coexist. They do. They can sleep through each other and rock and roll, and they're going to be just fine. We love your voicemails, but we realize that sometimes you just don't want your voice out in the world for everybody to hear. So you can also send us a message on Instagram. Our account is at MomsOnCall. And we check that before we record every episode of this podcast to find your questions and answer them in the show, even if we can't hear your sweet voice. Once my baby is asleep, do you have moms on call for adults? <laughs> we get asked this question so much. Do you have a swaddle for adults? And one time, do you remember this, Laura, when we laid down on the blanket on the duvet and we tried to figure out, like, could you really swaddle yourself somehow by rolling <laughs> over? And um, yeah, this is this is what we do in our free time when we're left at a hotel waiting for interviews, <laughs> what have you. We're trying to swaddle ourselves in a duvet. It did not work. And there are adult swaddles now, yes, I'm just saying. right? Wasn't that what the Snuggie was supposed to be at some point? <laughs> Something like that. So, yes, yeah, can, yeah. You, can you swaddle adults? And then cats is the next most popular question. We haven't swaddled cats. <laughs> but it is hard. It is hard as a yes. mom and, or a dad. Uh, as your little one's sleeping, you tend to lay there and you're listening for those noises or you just can't get yourself to kind of turn off. Life itself, there's always those to-do lists and the next things that need to be done. And one of the things that was helpful for me is to kind of turn off electronics about an hour before bedtime and just kind of take that time to maybe read a book or, you know, just to kind of let that mind rest a little bit. And really what we want you to know is that this gets easier and easier and we might not can swaddle but we can get you a sound machine. <laughs> yes. The sound machine for your own room is also a great way to go. Yeah. I would always think as far as just like worrying about your baby in another room, which is very normal in my heart, I would always say that God that's big enough for me is big enough for them. He has always kept them safe, whether I'm in the room or not. So that just kind of gave me the freedom to be able to release it and get to sleep. But yeah, grab one of those Electrofan white noise machines. And we have a really great article about that too, Laura, in the Knowledge Center. So if you go over to the website, check out that Knowledge Center. And we do talk about some of the um, tips and tricks for adults to sleep as well. We've got you covered. Thank you to everybody who left us a voicemail or sent us a message on Instagram over the past few days. We're sorry that we can't answer every possible question on the podcast, but we try to get to as many as we can. So if you have a specific question you'd like us to address, you can leave us a message at 888-234-7979. You can also reach out to us on Instagram. We check our Instagram account before every recording of the podcast. We like to leave you with the good stuff. That means we're going to put a smile on your face and we're going to leave you with your heart feeling happy. We look for stories that are uplifting and encouraging and talk about the best of humanity. We call this segment The Good Stuff. I love when being generous just leads to more generosity. 
And I came across this story the other day, Jennifer, that was talking about this vet. And they're calling him Patriotic Kenny. And he took TikTok by storm, which I think that's just so funny. And I love just that in itself. But he is a 79-year-old Navy veteran. And he is just full of life. And so he, you know, gets around in a scooter with a scooter. Well, his scooter broke. You know, they cost $5,000. And it was just, he didn't know how he was going to get it repaired or get it fixed. And Okay. Are you telling me the scooter cost $5,000 to fix? Yes. A scooter? To get a new one. Okay. They tried to fix it, but you know, it was kind of old and it was just, so the new ones cost $5,000 and he was heartbroken because that's how he got around. And, you know, I think we take for granted sometimes how we can just hop up and go, although (laughs) the hopping up and going part does get get harder to do. So anyway, his friends got together and made this TikTok video asking for help to help him get a scooter. And within 24 hours, strangers had donated enough money to buy Kenny one of those really nice scooters with all the bells and whistles. And if you guys can head over to TikTok and watch his reaction You're going to need tissues. I'm just saying you're going to need tissues because his reaction, he cannot believe what happened. And so, but what's even more incredible is they got so much extra money that he wanted to make sure that he was helping other vets get scooters. And so they're doing like 25 scooters for other vets. And I just... That generosity just continues to multiply and multiply and multiply. Well, it makes me think of the word that you always talk about from Louisiana, which I am going to pronounce correctly, maybe for the first time ever. Lanyap. Did I you get that right? Oh, so God. Yes. Right. Lanyap. It's a little bit extra. So today, think about what you can do with your lanyap. Think about who you can bless who you can engage with your little bit of extra. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. We are so grateful for you. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a couple of minutes and you listen on Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star review and tell everybody what you love about the show and spread the word. If you have parenting friends or people who are expecting in your life, even grandparents, let them know that the Moms on Call podcast is available for them for free wherever they listen to podcasts.